Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Today's guest is somebody who I just have so much respect for, who I really enjoy as a person and who has been an absolute great friend to me through my time in Australia in this last year. And I was so excited to talk to him because not only is he incredible and has this amazing career, we are talking to Stevie English today, who is the global creative director for Evo which is incredible. And I really wanted to know kind of how that happened and all of these things. But Stevie has worked for numerous scholar brands, which I thought was quite interesting to have kind of gone through the steps of going through very different color lines and how that happened and why that happened. So he's worked for Wella and L'Oreal and Matrix and O&M and now Evo. So kind of hearing his journey and how each of those brands fit into his life at that right time. And I found that very interesting that I think sometimes we work for companies that are quite brand specific and we are so loyal, which is incredible. And, you know, there's nothing disloyal about what he's done, but I just thought it was really nice to hear that nothing's permanent and you pick what, what suits you and, kind of go from there. So he has been hairdressing for 25 years and is from England originally, as if the name doesn't give it away. And that Stevie English is not his actual name. And I thought that's very good branding, you know, that I was like, oh, could have thought that was your last name. So he has his own salon and gone into business, traveled, all kinds of things. And I really find him just a really straight shooter and knew he would have some really valuable information to share with myself and everybody or anybody or nobody who's listening. But I really, really enjoyed chatting with him. So I hope that you enjoy it as well and can get some knowledge out of what we talk about today. So without further ado, Mr. Stevie English. We are live. And tonight I'm so excited. I normally do a morning interview, but I quite prefer this. And I was excited that you wanted to do an after dinner. I feel like we're recharged and ready to go. But I am sitting down with Mr. Stevie English today. Hello, hello. Hello. Thank you for making the time for me. I was so, I must be the most annoying heckler, eh? (laughs) Uh, Not in the slightest. That's nice of you. 
yeah. I was hoping you'd no, say no, that. No. I was like, I just know that people get busy and, you know, if, I'm like, I'm just going to keep sending everyone messages till they agree to do my show. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Um, and how are you coping in Melbourne in lockdown? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, to be honest, it's just never ending. So I needed to come up with a project to fill my time. You know, I can only post so many old videos or videos of me styling my hair that nobody wants to see. So I was like, what can I do? It's going to help me and answer the questions that I think I have always been curious about. I've always been infatuated with people who have taken their career to the next level. And I just figured why not ask how they've done it and see if anyone was willing. And to be honest, it's been pretty incredible. Like the people who are willing to chat with me and the knowledge I'm gaining and that people seem to be enjoying is really it feels like it's been worthwhile. Well, you know, us hairdressers, we like to talk about ourselves. So, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 it's quite easy. I reckon you go, oh, you come on and talk to me about yourself. It's actually true. You're right. That some people, I was like, oh, I bet they don't want to come on. And then the, the pe other people who know them are like, what do you mean? He loves talking about himself. All he wants to do is talk about himself. He'd love to come on for an hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, I think it, right, it's a good trait in hairdressers. Yeah, and I've missed talking, so it's been quite good because it's killing two birds with one stone, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, I would love to start at the beginning with you, and something that I find so interesting is everybody's story of how they got into hairdressing is quite different. So you have been hairdressing for 25 years, is that correct? Yeah, I think so. It's 1993. Oh my god! I started hairdressing, yeah. So and quite a long was time that ago. something that you always wanted to do? Like, did you grow up dreaming of being a hairdresser, or how did you fall into hairdressing? Uh, <laughs> and fell into hairdressing is the word. Um, although, funny enough, my mother was a, a barber, ah. um, but that it, it, but she was a barber in the army. So literally, the guys would come in and she'd just crew cut them. So <laughs> Shave um, them and, off. and you know, yeah, yeah, just absolutely. Shape. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so see you in two weeks, um, and all the young recruits. But it wasn't. Uh, no, I, I didn't um, wake up one day and go, "I really want to do hair." I just uh, fell into hairdressing like lots of young people. I wasn't great at school. I'm left-handed, dyslexic, ADD. It, you know, and you put that sort of uh, concoction of, you know, put anything sparkly in front of me put any words in front of me and I just, you know, completely just, my brain doesn't work, right? Yeah. Or it doesn't work in like other people's brains. In Yeah. So in the normal um, kind of in quotes way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I had, I wanted to go traveling and my dad said he'd buy me a ticket around the world if I had some spending money. Oh. And so I got a local job in a supermarket um, when I was 17 uh, and it was in, it's called Quick Save in England, in, in the outskirts of London. And it was sort of, you know, and it was that mind numbing kind of job that uh, you get when you're 17. Yeah. And I used to work at Mr. Greek. <laughs> Mr. Greek. It's like Subway know. for Greek restaurants. <laughs> ah, awesome. My mum's like, you smelt like an onion for two years. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm a massive fan of. You know, I, I, did the Greeks like onions as well then? 
Well, yeah, I guess so. Okay. I mean, they put yeah. onions in tzatziki, and that's what I used to stink yeah. of, garlic and onion. Yum. I love Greek food. Uh, and then, but I, got, I lost my uh, job in the supermarket after about seven weeks. Oh, no, you I, got fired. I sort of, I, yep, I got caught smoking oh. weed out the back. <laughs> and, uh, and so, and like I went home, and my dad goes, well, why don't you work? I go, I, I quit. And then um, he goes, well, you're not going to go traveling around the world. And in 1993, there's no internet or the internet as we know it now. So on Wednesdays, the job ads would come in. And so I rang every job ad in the local paper and one was a hairdressing salon. And so uh, I rocked up and it, mind you, when I was 17, I had this terrible like, so I had like an undercut grade one under here. Right, and I had all these dreads, like this cool. terrible. Uh, mate, it was like just you don't so have tragic. Those now. <laughs> yeah, mate. I, I, I thought I you were about responsible. to do a reveal when you took your hat off, and I've secretly yeah. got one back. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not responsible. I was obviously not responsible enough to have hair, so um, there you go. And yeah, and so I walked into a, a salon called Scissors on the halfway, which is in Wharton on Thames, and it was sort of. Uh, I think I just sort of. It was just it was just this vibrant um, body of women that I sort of just <laughs> yeah and age I think there was probably about um, I think ten girls that worked there aged from like sixteen to thirty and I think my head was swiveling like The Exorcist wasn't quite sure where to look and you know it was that sort of and, but it just left this impression of energy and prettiness and I yeah. think I signed up forty pound a week to become a hairdresser. Incredible. I love, literally, I love hearing everyone's story because some people, their whole lives, they dreamt of being hairdressers, never thought of anything else. And I was kind of like that. And then there's people who you know, I never wanted to be a hairdresser and ended up in it and loving it. And I think something that attracts people all, all across the board is the energy in a salon is like nothing else. Like it's, it's addictive. It's exciting. You can't wait to go to work and see your friends or, you know, half the time it's just exciting to be in the back room in a hair salon but I think that that seems to yeah, be a common denominator I, of what attracts people into hairdressing oh 100% and I think um, the longer you're into or you know after that first say six weeks and you see people walking in potentially not happy and leaving happy and, and, and that sort of stuff so that's quite powerful and, and whether I realised it or not at the time you know that there was so you know it was just it was just sort of fun and I think again going back to that school where I wasn't good at particularly school work yeah. but I'm quite good at communicating and I was quite good at talking to people and I was quite good at and I wasn't scared of old ladies and I wasn't <laughs> scared of to have a chat you know so and I think that that um you know the emotional intelligence that most of us hairdressers have um that isn't celebrated at school all of a sudden I could work and, and be yourself and, and go yeah. in and be you. And how did your family feel about you going to that job? Did they care? Were they like, oh, you're going to be a hairdresser? Like, what was the vibe a bit? I, my mum my tells a story that how excited I was about getting the job. She, okay. That my dad wasn't particularly impressed. Yeah. Like, my dad was in the military for all his life. You know, he was, he was a, a major. And I, I think the idea that his son was a hairdresser wasn't potentially the um uh, that that wasn't the career path His that he idea. thought for me yeah but at the same yeah but at the same time um 
like now I don't think that I, I don't have a, a larger cheerleader or cheer man, <laughs> you know, in my father, you know, like, like he tells everybody now, you know, so I, I think, um, <laughs> you know, that, uh, yeah. So I, he, they, my parents have always been supportive and yeah. even if behind the, he wasn't particularly impressed, I know that, um, you know, they just wanted me to be happy. So, yeah. yeah. And that's something that I really want to convey through this platform and where I kind of want to take it is getting rid of that feeling that being a hairdresser isn't enough or isn't a good career or isn't successful. And somebody like you is exactly who I wanted to have on because you have had this international career. You are you've traveled the world doing hair you're on stage you've won awards like that is showing say those parents not yours in particular but who think that oh you're gonna be a hairdresser or your friends or whoever or even just for yourself that holy shit look at this career that you can have like yeah you know what i think that if i look back to when i started at scissors and I don't think I realized the kind of career. And I, I, did, I did remember there was a clear thing. I've probably been working there about a year and I did remember, and it was on the outskirts of London. I remember going, if I'm gonna be a good hairdresser, I've got to go to the center of London. Okay. I've, got to go, I've got to go to like a big salon. And I've got yeah. to, so there was definitely a, a moment where I was like, and the, the girls that I worked with, they were so awesome. And there were these, and I'm, I'm still friends with quite a few of them now. And it was, it was so, you know, there were these fantastic, um, embodiment of what most hair salons should be in they were they liked to party they did had fun hair and they you know they they, they pushed us to do training and they weren't necessarily educators themselves but we we did it and you know and, and so but i did there was a moment where i was like okay i've got to move to the central london and get in a big salon and how did you do you know? that is that um, is that was that your next move after how long were you working there that you then moved on to something i think i was I moved on about 18 months, maybe 15 months, but I think I had that um, epiphany about a year in. Okay. And then what I did was I just uh, went, moved, went into London on the train, as you do as a 17-year-old grandma. I was probably 18 then, and then uh, went to every salon that I'd heard about, read about. And, you know, Errol offered me a job. Oh, I got, um, so it's, it's super funny, though, because I, I remember getting interviewed by Errol, and then obviously now and having them work with him and then and we've had chats and drinking at night you know like oh and but he wouldn't have remembered me as a grom you know coming into his salon because how many you know how many apprentices come in and go yeah, yeah no you know whatever but yeah in his Knightsbridge salon so um and I, I took a job at Daniel Field which was in Soho and it was and it felt the right fit and it was the right fit you know and I, I stayed there for seven years before I left to come traveling Incredible. And when so, you were there, were you, because your specialty right now is color, right? That's what I know you as and what you definitely mm -hmm. say you do. Were you doing everything then? And when did that feeling that color is what made sense or colors where you wanted to pursue happen? Oh, I, I think um, Daniel was a colorist and then his manager at the time and my educator Bradley he was a colorist a really um, exceptional one and there was a there was a few others that and the color education actually made a bit more sense to me than I was always a bit like so if I pull hair this way and I go like that and I chop it and it falls it does what 
Yes, I, 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 I really was did just struggle listening with to this before of you talking in your Evo interview, I think it was, saying that you didn't make sense, the cutting, and that's how I feel. Like, I, I don't see it. I don't visualize it. It doesn't just, like, come to me like that, whereas with color and specifically freehand and why I enjoy that so much is I had that aha moment of, oh, I can see exactly what I'm doing and putting it exactly where it goes, and yeah. Yeah, I, and, and to to your point, I think um, I, I remember being on the tube, and I, you've been to London. You know, there's this big long escalator going up, and I remember just looking, and I was probably eighteen or nineteen, and just looking at people's hair and going, "Oh, she would be a seven point three four. Oh, that is a this." And and I, and I think that I was just into it. Color just made more sense. Or I'd I'd see someone and go, "Oh." her color is okay but I would do this on mm -hmm. and I think that it just it just made more sense to me yeah. really and then when I found out you can make more money coloring well then I was like now we're talking <laughs> that was the exact same for me literally word for word same for me I was like I could be charging $50 an hour or $250 an hour. And at home, everything's commission-based. So not only did I like it better anyway, but to know that that was kind of a, a factor helped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you would think there'd be, in North America, it's only people that colored hair, right? Yeah, why would you? <laughs> that's how I would you only it. work on commission, yeah, you don't need to hair. figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So how did that happen from going from working in the salon, say on the floor as a colorist, to then being doing education? Where did that transition kind of happen? When you came to Australia or had you already started making a name for yourself in England before you went traveling? Uh, I, I, uh, so Daniel Field, um, and you, I don't know if you would know him, he, he was, he, he was, pretty famous in his little circle and he was probably um he sort of started that uh ammonia free run like in the 90s he had ammonia free huge. that's color. when he i was, started yeah. yeah not when i started hairdressing but that was like i remember all the color classes being like it's ammonia free it's ammonia free like i don't really ever so, say so, that now i don't even know if it is <laughs> yeah no but so I, and then i um so the product that he was touting that was called mineral and organic um back then he um and we i would go on the road with him so we you know educating in wales and then we to scotland and all the way through and so sunday monday tuesdays we would get in the car and it wasn't and i just remember like these um funny car journeys you know with you know with my bosses and you know and then and we were doing exactly what um, in a much more lo-fi way and then what I did for your major companies as well and it was oh, cool. you go out you talk and you were about going assisting him at that point like you were assisting him and then as I grew I started to do I would get on stage and I would do my highlights and talk about it and what we do you know yeah. and and yes yeah, so, so um, that was probably the start of my education in terms of yeah. becoming an educator but not really realizing I was actually educating I was just helping Daniel yeah it's you so know. interesting though, isn't it? How somebody can change your life like that or change your path that had you not maybe worked for him or had you not been the one he chose to take, you could have taken someone else instead of you. And why do you think that you got those opportunities? Well, I think, and it, it would be the same for any um, 
boss that would listen to this or speak to you know the ones that are going to have the opportunities because they're the the first ones in the morning I'm, i might not have been the first in the morning but i was always the last to leave you know <laughs> yeah, and i think say. that You'd be uh, arriving uh, from uh, the night out yeah, <laughs> no I, you know i've just just made it again <laughs> Right, slightly hungover. Um, no, but I think that the, you know, I, but I was always the last to leave. I was always to put my hand up to do something. And even if I knew, it, you know, it wasn't going to be super fun, I would still be, yep, I can do that, I can help. Yeah. And I think that that, as, a, as an owner, as an educator, as a, you know, even just as a workmate, you know, you want that, you go, you gravitate to those assistants who help you, to who assist you, who want to do it and don't pull a face and roll their eyes and do it. So it was probably that. Amazing. I love that. I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. So how did the transition happen coming over here? I know you traveled a bit around. Were you doing hair then as well? Or that was just your ability to travel and then yeah, landed so here? I have sort of a, it's a kind of a funny um, thing in terms of, so uh, my friend who, um, he started O&M, him and his wife Josie, okay, then they're yeah. now split up. And so, and we worked together in, um, at Daniel Field and that's how oh, O&M was, um, created. So in terms of, uh, and then, so when he left the UK in 99 and said, come to Australia and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. And so I eventually did and I traveled around Asia for about 18 months and arrived in Australia, um, pretty broke and <laughs> went, um, you know, as, as you do when you're. Um, in there, <laughs> you know, twenty-four and tra- twenty-four and traveling, and uh, and and I literally called Alan um, and Joseph and said, "Oh, can I come and stay on your floor from the airport?" And they were like, "Oh, we've just moved back to mum and dad's, his parents." I was like, "Oh, right." I think I had like fifty dollars to my name, oh, and he said, "Oh, but there's yeah, but there's there's someone <laughs> You're I really know. screwed. <laughs> yeah, mate. There's, there's someone I know who's looking for a roommate." And I, I was like, okay. And I, he gave me a number and I called them from the pay phone. Pay phones, remember those? Oh my God, um, you're at exposing the airport. And, uh, I am, I'm quite old, 44. <laughs> and um, anyway, so, and she, uh, and I called her up and she goes, yeah, come on. And she had a flat in Clavelli and there was a mattress on the floor and I pretty much moved in to that room. And that day I went out and I looked up every hairdresser and I went in and I got a job at Anthony Whitaker who was at the time, yeah, so I did um, some sets of highlights for him and, and, you know, I obviously knew Anthony and um, I'd I'd seen him at uh, um, Sound International and, you know, all that sort of stuff, sort of aligned and and basically the aligning of stars was actually when I went in on the Tuesday, I think I'd landed on the Tuesday and went in that afternoon, the the Saturday before his head colourist had quit so it was sort of yeah it was very very fortuitous so I I rolled in and um, stuff like that always happens doesn't it yeah so you know like that cat that you chop off the thing and land on your feet I I was that um you know I landed on my feet and uh I could pay my rent two weeks later and yeah and and there I was I guess working for at the time one of the most well-known um hairdressers in Sydney so, and were you specifically trying to do like, had you realized at that point from England, I want to be this name. I want to be the one on the stage at Salon International. I want to be that person. And that's what you were kind of looking for in a salon or at that point you were just broke and take it. Like, how did that? 
I think that um, I, I'd, I'd already always thought, you know, when you look at the magazines and you, you read other people's articles and you go, oh, I'd like to do that. So that was definitely in my, in my mind. But okay. I think arriving broke in Australia, finding out where all the salons, I still went to the good salons. You know, I, um, I think, yeah, I still, I still went what I thought was considered, you know, I went up to Joe Bailey's. I went, you know, then. Yeah, you have a, your you know, network of people um, in your head and that standard yeah, and, and, of quality of work and what you've been used to working in that you and, continue. and what Alan had told me you know I, yeah. from what just from the because again it wasn't like I could just go on and um, google search someone um, you know like like it was you know there was still dial-up internet but it wasn't quite what it is now where we're just straight away oh hang on a minute let me just check out crystal bang bang but you know yeah, like, yeah, let's yeah. go that that, that the world that we have in our at our fingertips is it was very different yeah totally um so but so you know the, the analogy of the cat i was, I was fortunate 100 percent. but i think you choose your own fortune too i think that's something i say for myself a lot and people are like yeah but it comes to the people who want it exactly like you said who are willing to work for it who put themselves out there and people people like that and people want people like that on their team so a bit of both oh. I, I always say that um, I, I never hire for skills, I'll hire for attitude. And it's that attitude that you can't um, teach almost. And it's the people that have the, and, it, and it's not the, it's just the, the willingness and the want yeah. or the need, you know? And, and it's that sort of stuff that is really hard to um, explain to people yeah. is what, why we like something. So, I mean, yes, I landed on my feet and, I'm, you know, who knows if I'd landed, and gone somewhere else, it might be slightly different, but yeah, I'm sure totally. it would be. I, yeah, but there's still probably a, a story. <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> my, how my, moments my, like that change your life, though, isn't it? And now look at you—you you live in Australia and you have a wife and kids and own a salon yeah. and all of these things. So the next thing I want to talk about is because you haven't been a creative director or an educator or something for literally like every color brand, all of them, like. Uh, <laughs> no, the big well, ones: O M, Wella, L'Oreal, Matrix, and now Eve. Like, who does that? That's incredible and amazing. And how did that first maybe kind of deal happen? Like that you got this title or talk? About uh, my current guys. title or, or what? I don't know. Any all like where did so, how did it start? Maybe the first one. Like how did how did that start? That you went. Like, when did you start but, getting noticed for your color work rather than doing clients? Like, when did you get noticed? I think um, I was putting my own work out there. So I was doing um, shoots, and I think I networked really well. Uh, but my boss, after I left Anthony's, I, I, I had a boss called Barney Martin, um, who's okay. based in Sydney, another English great guy. And um, so when... and, and a lot of the first um, education gigs were because Barney was this and is this great hairdresser, great um, session stylist, and he um, cut and styled and I coloured. And so we just sort of um, rolled through quite early days, and that's why I started educating for Weller when I was with him. And then when we moved from when we went from Weller to L'Oreal with him, you know, so I did. So, so it those, just those kind of snowballed from there, all of these things. Yeah. And, and it wasn't, and that was nothing really to do with me. I mean, and, and then when I left Barney's to open up uh, Stevie English hair um, and the whole idea really, when we, 
when we opened in um, 2007, that our goal was trying to have as low an impact on the environment as possible. And so, and Owen, and that's O and M, right? At yeah. the time, I work with uh, and, O and so, M now. Yeah, and and so um, so I, then I was um, with O and M for oh, seven years, I think, um, doing that job. You know, um, coloring, working with um, Janelle, their creative director, a lot. Working with you know, and and I think, and as I, that as my name got a bit bigger and, and our salon, we started doing better. And then you, you're more, you have more value for companies, right? Yeah, totally. And and, and so we, we were doing, and at the time um, when I decided to leave O and M, I guess I, I felt I couldn't do any more with them. Yeah, you know, I'd done I'd done everything I could with them. I'd done my New York fashion links. I'd done my color in this, and and I have so much respect for um, Josie and Alan. And I mean, obviously Josie now. I mean, Alan was always my friend, but Josie is too. Yeah. and and you know, and I've watched what she's done over the last. You know, she's brilliant. But at the time, then I needed a multinational to yeah. um, to sort of take Stevie English Hair to the next level, yeah. I guess. And so it was, you know, we we looked at we looked at lots of brands and we we're like, which is the one that um, can help us the most? And at the time in Australia, we felt Matrix, and and to be fair, it absolutely was. And I had this fantastic ride with Matrix, you know. And, and yeah. I started off because you don't know if you, when you join a brand, then they don't give you a golden key and say, okay, you're now a global creative director or you're now an international artistic director for us. Yeah. You have to earn your stripes and you have to do it. And I, I just, I was really fortunate that um, I, on my first job, um, there's a, a beautiful lady called Kelly Conroy, who she's now in charge of Bumble and Bumble education. Oh, wow, amazing. You know, and, and I'd met her previously when she tried to get me for Redkin here in Australia. And then we sort of, and then the next job I got and then, you know, networking. You, and if you succeed yeah. and you do well and you can, well, not just network, but I also think with the matrix as well, I think if you can um, do a 24 hour flight, sleep for sort of five hours and then come in and do a big 12 hour day and not get upset and not do, and it, there's lots of those other skill sets that, um, you know, and you get on well with people and you don't get short and you, you know, and you put the, the companies, you know, first and then but you also do really well with the team and you put your young guys around you and you know you, you try and I had some fantastic hairdressers in Jamie Stevens Paul Fultrick you know um from the UK and then we had this fantastic core team at Matrix and it was super everyone fun. got on you enjoyed was, doing those yeah. shows and doing those long flights because that's the part that a lot of people don't see is the big flights the long ass days you are in there from 6 a.m until midnight you know like they're massive massive days and if you're not loving oh, it, the people yeah. and the team and all of it you, you can't do it absolutely and i i think that you know and it is it's 5 a.m and it yeah. is up until midnight coloring wefts for the next thing and then you're straight away doing it again and you know and it there's there's plenty of glamour around it but there's also there's a lot of hard work, sweat, and alcohol. Um, <laughs> <Fair enough>. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> and then, did you always want your own salon? Is that something that was in the back of your no, head for a no, while? No. Because no? you have a no, very think, successful um, salon now, I would say, right? Like, And this very branded salon yeah. as well. Like, It's very obvious when you walk by that it's Stevie English. It's very... You and the wall, like it's 
Is that yeah. a vision you had? I think um, when we decided we were going to open up a salon, I think we then definitely felt that what we wanted to do was have a brand, not a salon. Yeah. So. Um, and have you always dropped your last was, name and been um, English? Because if no, anybody that, that on the outside I, or me um, before, I would never know that that's not your last name. Yeah, I, it's my pseudonym. It, it's my uh, Mark Twain to Samuel Clement. Uh, you know, it's one. It's, you know what? It was just a fortunate. All I knew was Australians liked English hairdressers. Yeah. And so I was looking for. Yeah. Um, I was looking for something that was quintessential English. So smart. I was, you know, and and then and played with, um, you know, my personality, I guess. Yeah. And so, and I, I you know, and, and that was where I guess Stevie English came from. Um, at, you know, at the time I was looking at um, Beatles songs, you know, like uh, Eleanor of Rigby Hair and like <laughs> rock and roll, you know, like I was trying to think of like something that, you know, you know, the, the Sex Pistols, Sex Pistols. And I was trying to think of things that could be English and people go, oh, that must be English. Now. And I think it was dinner here and someone said, have you come up with your name for your sound? And I was like, oh, Stevie. And there was a book and it said English. And I said, Stevie English. And I was like, oh. And it was, it. it was honestly like that. Yeah. I love that. That's so decided. interesting because it is quite hard picking something like that, even for this, for my show or whatever. It's like, it's very hard to come up with something that one represents you, two you like, three is catchy. Like there's so many things that, and that nobody else has also is hard. Yeah. I love it. Oh, 100%. So cool. and, I, and I think then, you know, all the things that annoyed me about places I've worked, like having light floors, and when you're a colorist and a messy colorist, you're like, I want dark floors, you know? And then like, I wanted to have music everywhere. And I wanted, you know, I wanted a coffee, you know, all those little things you kind of tick off and go, all right, if it, if it was mine, this is what I'm going to do. This yeah. is what I'm going to do. And then that was probably how it became. And then I guess the last thing is working out, you know, so personally, um, and whether if anyone knows me or don't know me, I, you know, I tried to sort of run a lot of my own uh, morals or, you know, that sort of um, fun, irreverence, all of that sort of stuff. And then you kind of have that within your brand. Yeah. And yeah. And, and so it's worked. Yeah, I think so. I think you can feel it. I mean, I've been in your salon and it's a, it's a good energy and it's casual, but professional. Like you can be, I just felt like you could just be you there and go and, and show up as you are, but also know that there was this expectation of quality that had to be happening as well, but that it was cool. It was chill. Like I really enjoyed it. And the team was lovely. Like, yeah, I think that exactly what you're saying you tried to put into it has happened. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like every good work, work environment, you know, it's, it's not the owner. It's often your team that make it fantastic. And, you know, and over the years we've had brilliant people and now we've got probably one of the better teams we've had in terms of, you know, everyone gets on the work is fantastic. You know, all of those sort of, but it is like a jigsaw puzzle, right? Yeah, Totally. And then how have you now transitioned into this new role? I know it's actually been a bit of a crazy time to start a new kind of <laughs> global creative director when you can't really go around the globe, but maybe yeah. just walk us through I, I that, think, how um, that I'm happens. Just in yeah, so I mean, um, Evo approached me uh, end of last year and, and said that, you know, they were 
launching color and that they're, 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 they're sort of close and you know would I be interested in having a chat and sort of and I was I've always you know I've, I've sort of um, you know pretty I'd like to think I was pretty honest and like and so I was like oh, look, I'm really happy with matrix matrix yeah. you know brilliant brand and really would and they, but they took me down they took my wife and I Mel and I to Adelaide and we went and had a look at this and I think I didn't realize how big Evo was yeah or how big hair care Australia was yeah I didn't realize that and, and for anyone that doesn't know it's this they have this fantastic warehouse that they own where you know they bring in these great brands from Olaplex to obviously house their own Evo and um, Lacme that they've got all these great things and and it's just this sort of really well-oiled machine but they have everything's in-house so from their lawyers to their um, PR, you know everything everything's there so you know the Instagram account managers there the the thing and, and sort of they, they I guess they wowed us um, wooed us and wowed us and it <laughs> smoothed with us and, but, but also yeah but also it, you know um, with no disrespect to a multinational when I went to a multinational we went or we chose to do it because we felt it was going to help Stevie English Hair and yeah. my wife and I and our kids yeah. and help grow but then um, and is that from, if you don't mind me asking, I just ask everything. You don't have to answer anything. Is yeah. that from a financial point of view, being like, I can go and work for this brand? And to me, edu mon the money is in the education as well. And that's when you're really able to do that. Was that something that getting into education um, gave you that I think, freedom a bit? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, the education side of it or piece of the puzzle was at the time I was quite driven on trying to win an award yeah um, and it, when I when I think about it now at the time I always sort of said it wasn't about the award or trying to win it but actually it was at 100% I wanted to win Australian Colors of the Year which you and did so you know my, my, I did 2018 I did I think I finally I had about 10 finalists between the wow. two but, but um, I think I that that's really one. important for people to hear that you don't win it on your first one 99% of the time right like it takes a lot of time and putting into that and not being yeah. encouraged by that oh 100% but I would say that that the piece of the puzzle was then the the multinational or the, or the company that offers a lot of education around the world that then so that was why we went to matrix yeah um potentially more than the financial side and i'm not yeah. i'm not going to lie and say you know, there's not incentives in there yeah. but um it was more around um hopefully you get to educate in new york or you know do the big tour you know you do yeah and you did Absolutely. Do that, right? but then with going back like yeah i with Matrix, i mean i pretty much did everything I think over the sort of six years with those guys they were it was just so much fun and um from through Asia and big shows in Italy and Spain and um big shows in America and and I think that in Australia people didn't realize how big Matrix um yeah. is in like huge... America it's like the number one yeah it's very different in Australia yeah. whereas here in Australia it's quite small it's the bubble of Australia and everybody so, so you, you know knows everyone and yeah. has their brand and that's that's all that it is but I've come from the opposite of that and being like yeah. don't you guys know there's a lot more out there like there, it is very different in yeah. that way 
That's so interesting. So sorry, keep going. You were yeah. getting schmoozed in Adelaide. <laughs> no, and but it was. But then I think Mel and I realised that the um, it wasn't just it wasn't the schmoozing. It was actually the company alignment in terms yeah. of how um, an Australian company that is fun is cheeky um, that has low impact on the environment, you know, all this sort of stuff that when we set out to open up seating chair was a part of what really sat with us. Yeah. Um, and your, so your core values. I, I, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, from what I can, could see and, and can see with the company, you know, that they, they want to educate hairdressers. They want, um, you know, there's so many great things about it. And so I think that it, it, it was more that one, they wanted me to do that job to help launch and, you know, um, and test and launch a product company. And so, you know, the, the opportunity in terms of taking a brand new comp uh, color to market up. that's never been done, you know, um, in, you know, and Evo's in 40 countries, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, have, having that opportunity to go out and educate, inspire, but also, um, so personally, there was lots of stuff, but also, you know, the, the idea that we can grow a team in Australia with, you know, of young Evo colorists that can potentially go on and do the work. Because again, I'm 44, I can't do this forever. And yeah. so, you know, I like the idea of, you know, the next up and coming colorist who would sort of come and then we sort of work on how I got my sort of stuff. Kind of doing the same thing, and like starting and... So what I'm gathering from the converse, like from the conversation and how you kind of got into being this high profile person for the brand is you go in being the assistant or what, whoever you may be going in and helping and volunteering and then sometimes getting to be the one on stage showing your skills and talking about it. And from there it evolves. And it's not so much that you see a job posting for creative director of this, like you kind of work, have work, everybody who gets to that role works their way kind of organically a bit uh, I, I guess that's probably how my um, journey has sort of got me here it's, it's that you know um, I, I, I what was it someone said to me once they said um, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room right oh, and I'm good. never the smartest well, the person in the room I don't think they would be. <laughs> but I, I think that I'll I, do I that. they're pretty smart fantastic. yeah, yeah. No, but I think that, you know, it would be a boring place if you think you're the smartest person in the room, right? And, and I think that if you surround yourself with um, people that challenge you, people that um, are creatives and, you, you know, you can build each other up together. And, and I think that that's probably a part of what I love. And, and, and the, what's exciting to me about Evo is, is the opportunity in terms of building I'm, – I'm going to get better in that job and, and, and role, but also building these up-and-coming – um, you know, salon owners, hairdressers, mm -hmm. you know, and have lots of fun doing it. You know, it's a yeah. great ride. Yeah. And, I think um, you're just a yeah. very approachable person, maybe unexpectedly approachable, I would say. <laughs> like you're very <laughs> easy to talk to. You're very warm. You're, you, so I think the fact that you are saying that that's something that you want in the role is to teach the next generation coming up and bring those people up and the values that you have that align with the company and all of that. I think that that's really special. It's really nice to hear. Uh, yeah, I, well, thank you. But I think that um, obviously there's been a lot of hard work put into, you know, when companies look at someone to take on a job, 
you know, that they put in a lot of hard work and they know potentially what they're looking for, but they've done all the hard work in creating the, you know, creating the core values of a company, creating all that sort of stuff. And then, and you know, my job is to help that as help Evo, you know, Hueverse. So we, we've got out of this world color. Um, you know, we've just dropped bottle blonde, which is the, I know the I saw. Lifter. I've been it's sniffing on your Instagram for quite a while. Mate, they're wondering what was mate, going on. Powder, I've never, uh, our, our, I don't like the word bleach, right? But our bleach, our powder lightener is ridiculous. It is so good. I'm like, I've been frothing on it. And so like were you months. getting, so as this role that you've taken on, were you getting to try? Are they sending you like bag A, bag C, bag D, whatever, and you try them all? Or like, was that kind of what you got to do? Or I, I would um, I would like to say that that's exactly how it is. But it, um, when I got there, that we were sort of it, about 90% ready to go. Okay, okay. On stuff. So uh, all the new stuff that will be coming out in 2022, that's, that's where I'm at. How but cool. I, Are know, you loving that the, aspect of it? Like a, a completely different 100%. side almost? Like I think I would find that quite oh. interesting, the science and getting to actually see how what I use every day is made. And do oh, you get to have like, you get to have input in, oh, I would prefer if it was this consistency or things like that? 100%. And oh that's, God, how that's, cool. That, that is the job and and you know um the thing with evo is that they want to take out nasties yeah. so you know so the, the idea is can we do this without x can we do this without y and so and and it's such an interesting learning curve um so yeah it's super cool um and the team before me who got it to a, this brilliant brilliant space and then now we're sort of filling in holes going okay well we've got this but if we wanted to have something that was a bit more pink we wanted this, you know, and now we can go and now we're in a place like, you know, what does it look like when we've, we created um, more uh, demi-tones that are super flat or super yeah. blue or super, you know, whatever it could be. So oh, it's super cool. cool. I think that's a really yeah. interesting then, thing for hairdressers to know is another path. Another, like, I love these conversations because there's so many things that you can do. And if that's something that, you know, piques your interest more, you can get into developing color. And uh, like, I think that that's so interesting. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of um, color out there and, yeah. you know, I, and, and I think that what, what we've sort of sat down and said is, no color company has it completely right you know so why don't we try and go well let's try and have the best gray coverage let's yeah. try and have the best tonally you know because we're, we're starting from scratch so yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like you know and so it's great so it's this blank slate of what is the best color and going and from whatever brands and then going okay well let's try and do that but make our version without yeah. any nasties make it you know perform and, and it's, it's really exciting. It's really, really exciting. I'm really excited. I think that that's really cool. And I really have enjoyed hearing your journey and a little bit of kind of picking the, picking the right companies for the time in your life. And the person you are now is quite different to who you would have been 20 years ago or, you know, and that there's options. And I was, I was definitely an idiot 20 years ago and I'm still an idiot now. I was going to say, so, I mean, <laughs> do you know, I wrote a quote down. This is funny. I read in one of your things, you are the most beloved figure. And I was like, that's so nice. Who said that about you? Some article I was reading about you because when I asked you for your bio, you were like, surf dad color. And I was like, okay, I'll do a little bit of research. 
<laughs> I don't like, I don't need a lot of prep for these. Like I like them to be quite organic, but I was like, I need a little bit of a timeline, which was funny, but I was reading this and I wrote it here. You're the most beloved figure, but I have to find the quote and put it in. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think that might have been my mum or something. <laughs> your dad, your fan dad. Yeah, cheer man dad. Oh, that's cheer man, too funny. Cheer man in a can, your dad. <laughs> I reckon mine would be my grandpa. He yeah. still, so, I used to do extensions, you know, like the little like beaded extensions when I learned in hair school to do them. And he still at his home is like, do you have extenders in to like the nurses and stuff? All he talks about is extenders. And I'm like, oh God, I don't even do those anymore. It's like the only thing he remembers, you know? Uh, you know. Oh, it's funny how they, they do I, I love hop on board. Well, the, I, I think um, it's nice to have cheerleaders and whether um, it's, you know, your parents or someone who's seen you do something nice, you know, it's nice. I always, I always enjoy that. I, I definitely think that I don't always deserve some of the praise, praise or credit you get because you always know that you might get it, but there would be a, a, you know, you're standing on the shoulders of 20 people who've made, made you look good. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's nice to get it. Love it. Well, Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I really, really appreciate it. And I think that that's been very insightful. And I'm sure we could talk for hours and there's so many more things you could share. But I think that that's really great. And I really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me. Hey, surf, dad, color is all you need. Hashtag right? surf, dad, color. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you Cheers, so mate. much. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube to get all the notifications of our weekly episodes.